0: I needed a little airplane reading recently, and a friend suggested John Lefebvre, best known for creating the G.S. Elevator Twitter handle. The account infamously satirized banking culture and accumulated enough press coverage that both Goldman and Citi launched investigations to identify the source of the leaks. His book, Straight to Hell, is not Hemingway, but believable. Oddly, rather than inspiring a recollection of our own obnoxious behavior, it reminded me of one of my former CIOs. Let's call him the Abbott. Now, I always liked the Abbott, so I'll say right up front that even if I knew anything damning, I wouldn't relay it here. But for what it's worth, this is what I remember. He was aggressive and understood markets, respected them, and loved working in the business. Uncomfortably direct. You'd ask him about the financial sector, and his answer might be, Who cares what I think? If the market goes up, the banks will too. If the market goes down, so will they. Not a sophisticated response, but the right one at the time. Once he was settled in the corner office, I set out to make a good impression and gave a lot of thought to our first proper interaction. At the time, we had taken a large investment in retail, and I thought I had discovered something important about the home improvement space. I gathered the data, printed out points with supporting documentation, and then checked with some analysts to make sure it was both on point and not widely disseminated. Then I gathered my courage, took a deep breath, and knocked on his door. The abbot's voice boomed. Yes? Hi, uh, I don't want to bother you, but... Then fucking don't! Well, that went well. The next time we spoke, I was just getting my things together to head to the pub. Having new management around, I had been putting in extra hours rather than bailing right at four o'clock like normal. However, the abbot was visiting our London office. It's after nine o'clock there, so it should be safe to make an exit. I'm walking out when the trading line rings. Our overnight guy is literally jerking off somewhere. So I pick it up, and the abbot is already yelling. Hey, I'm in London, and I heard about the Ruski wheat fires. Um, what? The Russian wheat fires! Wheat fires? God damn it! Get an analyst and find out what the trade is. Now, we had portfolio managers for almost every area of the economy, each known as a pod. I walk over to the commodity space to speak with one of the analysts there. Let's call him Luke. Luke explains, there's a lot of wheat in the world, no one cares about fires in Russia. Instead, Abbott should just buy cotton, because an enormous amount of agriculture is traditionally picked by slaves. Modern-day slavery is almost exclusively in China, and the communists there are shipping their Muslim serfs, known as Uyghurs, to a new area. This forced migration is a problem, since the Uyghurs do all the cotton farming. He also points out that anything with communists generally turns poisonous for everyone involved. The play is to buy cotton, not wheat. Got it, I say. Armed with a new sophistication in commodities, I run back to the desk to call the abbot. He picks up on the second ring. Yes? Hey, uh, so I have your answer. Uh, we need to buy cotton. Wow, you really need to be here. You mean a transfer to the London office? That's an incredible offer. I was, no, 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 no. I mean at this bar. Art just punched someone in the face. It was awesome. And then he whooped and threw the phone at someone. I'm going to leave the clergy stories there. But thinking about him begs the question, what makes someone want to work for a person like that? Stockholm Syndrome? What on earth could be the attraction? Well, partly it's because how easily offended you get is directly proportional to how stupid you are. I'm not stupid, so I wasn't upset when he would speak to me in that manner. Mostly I'd hang up and we'd all just laugh. Secondly, the presumption of friendliness is generally found only amongst people raised in the company of manners. I wasn't brought up like a piece of china that would break at loud noises. Thirdly, you don't stop doing something because it's hard. You stay because it's hard. Most good things in life are harder than you want, but easier than you think. However, there is a final leg to this stool. Bear with me, because we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole. There's a term called sonder, the dawning realization that everyone around you has their own life, friends, backstory, and future. All of them are just as vivid and complex and remarkable and difficult as your own. All of these lives swirl invisibly around you, like an anthill deep underground, with elaborate passageways to billions of other souls that you'll never know existed, in which you appear only once as an extra sipping coffee in the background, as a blur of traffic passing on the highway, as a lighted window in the distance at dusk. I think about that from time to time, and it always feels like a bigger concept than I can grasp. Everyone protesting some perceived microaggression or flying a Trump flag, the homeless guy laughing on the corner, or the frowning Upper East Side matron. Each of them have their own story, too. It's a pretty earth-shattering concept, Thinking about it should help raise our awareness about the lives of other people. You are not the only one living with the weight of the world on your shoulders. All people's lives are unique, strange, chaotic, and complicated, just like yours. You're not alone. Reminding ourselves that a complex life story lies behind the faces of everyone we meet can help us connect with people in a more positive way. Or not. You see, too much empathy is a problem, too. Ask yourself, are people today more or less offensive than they were twenty years ago? Much less, right? And yet this less offensive generation appears way more likely to tell on each other over minor issues, to the highest authority they can find. They play informant like a sport. Now, there's a lot that perplexes me when it comes to other generations, but I still believe they should go out into the world and make mistakes. They should be offensive. They should challenge institutional wisdom. They should get into fights. That doesn't mean being offensive or getting into fights are necessarily good, but for me, that was part of growing up. You did bad things, you made mistakes, you learned and grew. By contrast, some amongst us have been emotionally and developmentally stunted by two decades of helicopter parenting. They've been taught to wind up every issue into the worst possible outcome. A sexist joke is almost immediately related to rape, and by not calling it out, you're enabling sexual assault. Cultural jokes are immediately related to the Klan, and by not calling out said joke, you're enabling racism. Make fun of trans people, you must be immediately censored, and to not do so, you're somehow enabling violence there, too. The worst thing about this new American religion is how many people have been put onto a slippery slope where they think it's their job to police the thoughts and words of others. Social media is the biggest contributor to this. It empowers zealots to constantly complain about things that bother them and ruin those things for the rest of us. But a culture doesn't work well when it's being controlled by the most fragile, litigious, and offended amongst us. It works when it's a melting pot of ideas, where the best fight their way to the top inside a marketplace that is as wide as it is diverse. In short, everyone seems so worked up over the smallest things lately. Not me. This is because you should believe things according to the evidence and not the opposite. And the evidence is overwhelming that everything in our world is getting better, faster than ever. For the most part, this is because over the last 40 years, the world has been abandoning suicidal socialist policies and embracing individual freedom. The productivity of our increasingly interconnected global economy has led to inequality, and there's a lot of political unrest around that. But overall, the tide has been lifting all ships. If you doubt me, you should escape the indoctrination and pessimism you've been subjected to by the media and instead look at some of the work by Marion Tupi. His key points are as follows. Less than 200 years ago, everyone lived in a state of what we'd consider abject poverty, but now fewer than 10% of the world does. Rather than being depleted, the world's resources are more abundant than ever. A basket of most commodities that would take an hour of work to own is now available to the average consumer at a third of that time. Agricultural productivity has advanced so much that global famines are almost unknown. And look around. Obesity is now a larger problem than food insecurity. Tree cover has increased by 900,000 square miles in 40 years, an area larger than Alaska and Montana combined. Democracies make up half of our nations, and autocracies only 10%, the mere image of a century ago. Interstate war is now a rare event. Global warming fears aside, the chances of actually dying in a natural or weather-related catastrophe has declined a remarkable 99% over the past century. What about the future? In the past millennia, the global economy grew a hundredfold, with a population growth a fraction of that. The numbers are so large as to be almost meaningless, but the world economy today is nearly 100 trillion U.S. dollars. If we just continue the average growth rate since 2000 it will be over a quadrillion dollars by the end of the century. A thousand trillion. Let's conclude. Yes, we are spoiled. You can't even conceive of all the ways. Our cars start every time. Your seat is perfectly comfortable. I have a bar of soap in my shower where clean water is readily available. I have this word processor in the cloud recording each word as I type. Anyone can get a customized coffee in minutes. You can ask the phone next to you to play Bach Mozart, or Soundgarden. We walk to stores with 100% assurance that they will have plenty of food for thousands of other people. When I'm bored, I flip over to Netflix or YouTube and watch anything I want. It's mind-boggling. But growing ever more comfortable is not just true now. It's been true for millennium. So perhaps we should go easy on the young. Perhaps there's nothing wrong with being spoiled. That said, what's different now is compared with the recent past, is that we are losing consciousness as to the source of our prosperity. How else to explain debates when one side of our political class cannot seem to utter a word of credit to private enterprise for all its incredible achievements? What's inexcusable is the ignorance that drives us to take it all for granted, and that we often fail to appreciate capitalism as the source of all the greatness in our lives. We should be very careful about abandoning the mechanisms that have enabled so much progress to emerge in the first place.